Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Jesus in the book of Ruth. Your God will be my God. The book of Ruth is a love story, which is a great respite from the book of Judges. However, we need to remember the most repeated phrases in Judges. The first one was the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. And the second one was in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Well, this story takes place around 1100 to 1200 BC. Also, we learned a lot about the lifestyle for the people back then. It's a story of hope. Plus we get to meet King David's great grandparents. Let's dig in. Ruth one from Israel to Moab. In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, not Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> and the other, a woman named Ruth. But about 10 days later, both 10, I'm sorry, 10 years later, 10 years, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. There's some points to ponder. First, Bethlehem means house of bread, where Jesus, the bread of life, will be born. Elimelech didn't trust God's provision and chose to live the land, to, to leave the land where God placed him and live in the land of the pagans. Elimelech, his name means God is king, was an Ephrathite. The prophet Micah wrote in Micah 5, Verse two, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you 
on my behalf. Moab, which means what father? If you remember from Genesis 19, stems from Lot and his daughters. Lot, who chose to live in Sodom, the first sin city, and barely escaped God's wrath on sexual immorality that encompassed both Sodom and Gomorrah. So the Moabites were a culture that rose from sin and stayed there. Oh, and by the way, Jesus said that in the last, the last days would be like the days of Lot. We are there. Moab was also a land of pagans. They worshiped the gods Baal, a storm god, and another god called Chemosh. Chemosh required child sacrifices. Today, that's abortion. Ruth was raised in that culture. She is a Gentile. Naomi and Ruth return, back in verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. For their two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, little, little g-gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there, there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited about by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, the woman asked? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has left, has has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has set such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. 
Okay, some more points to ponder here. Naomi blames God for the situation they were in. Apparently, Naomi influenced Ruth enough that she didn't want to go back to the pagan lifestyle. God used Naomi's troubled life for good. Paul wrote Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's time to leave behind your pagan ways. Paul also wrote in Ephesians 4.17, I'm sorry, yeah, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn from Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Choose today whom you will follow. You can stay living with your old sinful nature following the, wor the world's corruption. Or you can follow Jesus and rest assured in the confident hope of his true salvation. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, what you have to do is believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three, late, three days later. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? It's time to get right with God. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of today's blog, I have a worship song by Chris Tomlin, which is like perfect for this. And then I've got two videos from two different sources. Um, one is the Book of Ruth by Spoken Gospel, and the other one is from Version, the free Bible app. So you can take a look at the story of Ruth. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Jesus in the book of Ruth, part two, or chapter two. I'm going chapter by chapter now. <laughs> Preparing the way for our future redeemer. There are no such things as coincidences in God's kingdom. When certain things happen in life, you ask why or how or how come, <laughs> and look around to see if you don't see God's hand in everything. Sometimes you're too close to the problem or an issue, but if you step back, you'll see it all in his plan. It was all in his plan. So here's where you see God's hand in providing our future redeemer, Jesus. Let's dig in. We're in Ruth chapter two. Ruth meets Boaz. 
Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick some, to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave the roasted grain that was left over for her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, he is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter, stay with this, with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. 
So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Some points to ponder. Boaz was Rahab's son. Remember her from the book of Joshua? She was the one that protected the Hebrew spies and in turn, her family was spared from the destruction of Jericho. She married a Hebrew man named Salmon. Salmon, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's spelled like the fish, but it's, so it's Salmon, okay. And he had a son, Boaz. Looks like he learned hospitality and kindness from his mom. Ruth just happens to pick Boaz's field to glean grain from. There was a Hebrew custom laid out in Leviticus about letting some grain fall so the poor can have it. It also just happens that Boaz is a relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech, which makes him a kinsman redeemer. That comes from Deuteronomy 25, which stipulates that a widow can marry a relative of her husband's. Thus, it's that next of kin that should marry the widow and provide for her. It carried on the family line. The meal they share is bread and wine, symbolizing the Last Supper, that their future kingsman would celebrate with his disciples. Boaz symbolizes Jesus. He is from Bethlehem. He's a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, just like Jesus is our redeemer. Ruth displays pure gratitude, no entitlement. Because some grain was left for the poor, some may have thought they were entitled to it. It makes a huge difference when you look at what you have with gratitude. Everything you have comes from God. You may think you earned it, but no, God gave you the ability to learn it, to earn it. Boaz, Rahab, and Ruth are mentioned in Jesus' genealogy, genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew, which goes to show that Jesus had not one, but two Gentile, former pagan women in his ancestral lineage. God had a hand in your ancestry too. I love history and I've dug into my family tree. I had my DNA done and the results helped me realize that God put me in this world for such a time as this. You too, my friend. When you look back at your four sets of great grandparents, where they came from and how they met, you'll see God's hands in it. And that's just one generation. Divine appointments happen every day. Yes, we still have free will, but when you consistently look to God for guidance and follow it, you start seeing his orchestrating every little bit of your life. So how do you seek God's guidance in everything that you do? Well, first, get to know Jesus as a friend by inviting him into your life with a repentant heart. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and ask him daily for guidance and wisdom through prayer. Read the Bible daily. That's how you get to know God and build your relationship with him. You know, Jesus told us in Revelation 3.20, he said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Wouldn't you want to have some bread and dip it into some wine to share with Jesus? It's amazing. And we're going to have one amazing banquet up in heaven. It's time to get right with God. Believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ, and he died taking your sins away forever, and that he rose from the dead three days later. 
Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. What are you waiting for? It's time to get right with God. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click on how to invite Jesus into your heart. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Jesus in the book of Ruth, chapter three. Everyone needs a redeemer with compassion. Our love story started with a famine in the promised land. Then back in Bethlehem, Ruth happens to go glean grain during the harvest in the field of Boaz, who just happens to be kin to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now that the harvest is done, Naomi needs to secure Ruth's future as well as the future of our own Redeemer. Let's dig in. Ruth 3, at the threshing floor. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and he was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light, light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six, six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. 
The man won't rest until he has settled things today. All right, so here's some points to ponder. Naomi realized that since the harvest was over, there was no more gleaning. She had to take the next step, which was to get Ruth married. This also would assure that she would be taken care of. Was Naomi's advice to Ruth wise and godly? Well, it was a bold step and a little sneaky, but more than likely, it was God-inspired. Boaz was truly a man of noble character, a moral leader. You could tell by how he treated Ruth in yesterday's chapter. With any other man, this plan could have gone sideways and ended badly. Boaz also knew that there was another man that was closer kin to Elimelech, Naomi's late husband. That man had first rights to marry Ruth. Boaz respected the Israelite law. That's godly character. Do you display godly character in every situation? Naomi tells Ruth to be patient. Waiting on God is not easy. But remember, God's timing is always perfect. The scene takes place on the threshing floor. The act of threshing separates the edible grain from the inedible chaff, 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 inedible chaff. Tongue twister there. They stomped and crushed the grain. Then the grain is winnowed by tossing it in the air and the chaff would blow away. Threshing is a symbol of separating the good from the bad. And if you click on over on my blog, there's a picture um, that I found, um, and I used it when I did the study on Matthew chapter 3. Um, and uh, also in Luke 3, John the Baptist um, uh, says about Jesus the Messiah, he says, quote, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. John used um, many such warnings um, as he announced the good news to the people. And when Jesus starts his winnowing, the chaff, all the bad, evil people, will be burned in the never-ending fire, a.k.a. hell. Then we have John the Apostle later writes of his vision of heaven in the book of Revelation. And we're in Revelation 20, uh, 21, and it's one of my favorite chapters because it's our confident hope. It's our eternal hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. 
all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be the, their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God and it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone like jasper as clear as crystal we born again believers are the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom most of the people who follow the Roman Catholic religion because it's another religion it's not Christianity and are not born again there are some Catholics that are born again, why they're still attending Catholic Church, I don't know, but okay, they're born again and spirit-filled believers. Okay. But anybody who's not born again and spirit-filled fall into the category of verse 8, which reads, the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, which is astrology, the occult, Ouija boards, all that funky stuff. Idol worshipers, which means Mary praying to saints, they're dead people, and all liars. Their fate is a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And by the way, there is no such thing as purgatory. And, you, and I, I did some deep research as to who invented purgatory. And yes, somebody invented purgatory long, long time ago. And it all had to do with greed. So you can click on over to my blog and, and, and you can dig into that. When you die, and everyone will die, you either go to heaven or to hell. The choice is yours. And you have to make that choice now while you are still on this earth. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? It's time to get right with God. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture. What you need to do is believe, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins, stop sinning, do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. How do you do that? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also, at the bottom of my blog, I dug out a song that I remember, which is really, really nice. It says, My Redeemer Lives. It's a beautiful worship song. So please enjoy that. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Jesus in the Book of Ruth, the finale. Marriage, a baby boy, and hope. Redemption. 
Historically, the word means purchasing the freedom of a slave in order to set them free. In Hebrew law, when a man, uh, when a married man died, his closest male next of kin had the right to purchase his property and also marry his widow. They came together as a package deal. In the story of Ruth, Naomi is the widow of Elimelech, whose name means God is king. Ruth is the widow of Naomi and Elimelech's son, Malon. Apparently, there was a closer kingsman redeemer than Boaz. This person was probably a first cousin, where Boaz may have been a second cousin. We don't know that because the Bible doesn't tell us. The family redeemer would also save the widow from poverty. Boaz, though in love with Ruth, had to do the right thing and go to the closer kingsman redeemer before he could marry her. Let's dig in. Ruth, the kingsman redeemer. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know Naomi who came back from Moab? She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right now because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. Signing on the dotted line. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal and said to Boaz, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, uh, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family lame of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Oh, yeah. Um, then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel is descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez. Uh, Perez. Perez, I don't know how they, how they say it. I say Perez. Uh, <laughs> it, to me, it's a Spanish surname. Okay. The son of Tamar and Judah. Okay. So now um, we have the descendants of Boaz. So Boaz took Ruth 
into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. And she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now, this is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Pires. Pires was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of of Salmon, who was also the husband of Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. And you can go to Matthew chapter 1 and check out Jesus' full lineage here. And it explains the importance of the genealogy and that, you know, um, that Jesus uh, fulfills what the prophets say that um, the Messiah will come from the line of David. Um, and we'll, we'll see as we go through the Old Testament, when we get to the prophets and that, that you'll see how, um, you know, everything that they said and so forth. Um, so here's some points to ponder. So Jesus has not one, but two, not just Gentile, but former pagan women in his ancestral line, which goes to show that he came to save not just Jews, but Gentiles too. And no matter how deep you are in today's pagan religions, you can surrender your life to Jesus and he will forgive you. The other family redeemer refused Ruth because of the law, probably because she was a Gentile woman with a pagan heritage. However, the law itself cannot save us, neither can the rites or rituals demanded by many religions. Boaz was noble and did the right thing, even if he was, even if it was in a very clever way. He probably knew that the family redeemer wouldn't accept Ruth as a pagan Moabite. In verse 10, the women say that the child will carry on the family name of Elimelech, which means God is king. Here, the lineage of Jesus is solidified. As we continue our trek through the Old Testament, we'll see how God's plan for sending our Redeemer lays out perfectly. We'll also see how Jesus fulfills not only the laws of Moses, but every single prophecy that speaks of the coming Messiah. Jesus is Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of Kings. Praise the Lord who has provided a Redeemer. No matter what we do, we can never save ourselves. What many fake religions tell you is that you'll get to heaven by doing good works or just by being good. The truth is that by yourself, you can never be good enough, only through Jesus. Praise the Lord. He provided a redeemer for us. He is our confident hope. We all were born as slaves to sin, but he loved each and every one of us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be our redeemer. 
Jesus himself said, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You are not free if you are a slave to religion. Jesus didn't suffer torture and die so we could have religion. He died so he could have a relationship with you. Jesus is also coming back for his born again believers any day now. That's the rapture. Are you ready? It's time to get right with God. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. Believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. And then receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says um, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also, at the bottom of today's blog, I put a very appropriate song, Son of David. Um, and also, I discovered in YouTube, of all places, the Book of Ruth movie. Now, even though Hollywood took an extreme artistic license with the Book of Ruth, I'm embedding it in the blog, it's all the way in the bottom, because it's well acted. And it depicts what ancient paganism and child sacrifice looked like. They give Ruth a backstory of being a priestess to the Moabite god Chemosh, to which they sacrificed children. Now, think about today's version of child sacrifice, which is abortion. The child is sacrificed for the gods of pride, vanity, greed, and lust. There are many instances where they deviate from the biblical story. The deviation that makes me mad is when they show Boaz as a mean person, where in the true story, all he showed Ruth was kindness and respect. But that's Hollywood. They twist the story to make it more dramatic. So watch this movie, and since you've read the true story in the Bible, see how many errors or deviations you can spot. Learning biblical history is fun. If you read the Bible cover to cover, the stories are not exactly in chronological order, and it does get a bit confusing with all the kings after Solomon, then the exile, then the prophets, and some prophets were before the exile, and some were after the exile. And they really don't say because it's not, it wasn't, the Bible wasn't put in chronological order. Um, um, so, um, I've studied the Old Testament several times, and the best way to really grasp what God was doing and how most of the people kept disobeying is doing it in chronological order. So starting with tomorrow's post, which we're going to be in 1 Samuel, um, we'll begin going through the Old Testament in historical sequence. Okay, so this should be fun because it mixes in, um, you know, Samuel and Kings and, and um, you know, but then it'll mix in the prophets and then it'll also mix in some songs in there especially when we get to King David. And it just makes it just fuller because you get the whole picture of what was going on in these people's lives back then. And 
you can see God's plan throughout the whole thing. It's like a thread going through the whole thing. And that thread is Jesus. And you'll see that. Um, you know, it's like the, 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 the scarlet thread that um, Rahab threw out the window. To, uh, everything's connected. <laughs> everything's connected in the Bible and everything points to Jesus. So subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of the exciting story of God, which becomes our story. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.